I am so happy that you're able to join us for this extended interview. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get more killer resources. Hey listeners, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Lucky for you, I have created a new site that will help you learn how to launch, grow, and monetize your own show. I offer one-on-one mentorship programs and I'm launching an ebook, How to Create a Profitable Podcast, that can help you take your podcast from hobby to profitable business. Visit howtocreateapodcast.com to learn more. Again, that's howtocreateapodcast.com. See you there. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for coming back for this extended interview with Amanda and Ryan, where they're going to share how to make long-term travel more sustainable with remote work. Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, Debbie. Hey, thanks so much for having us. Thank you so much for coming back and for sharing all of these tips and tricks with us. But before we get to that, can you tell us a little bit more about you both and why you live an offbeat life? Yeah, for sure. So we are the hosts of the World Wanderers podcast and we travel and work remotely. And we've been doing that since 2016, so close to four years now. But before that, we'd taken two big six-month backpacking trips around the world. And we'd really looked at how we could make travel more sustainable in our lives. We went from taking kind of like a post-college gap year before getting big kid jobs to being like, we don't want these big kid jobs. Let's like ditch everything, quit our jobs, sell our stuff, go again. And then looking at you know how can we continue doing this forever but maybe make it a little bit more sustainable financially. So we've since been able to do that. And we're super lucky to be joining you from Panama City, Panama. Well, you definitely both have lived a very interesting life. And one of the things that you were able to do is make your long-term travel more sustainable because you're both digital nomads. Can you tell us the different ways that you have both been able to make this happen, especially in terms of creating income? Yeah, absolutely. So I have worked so many random jobs on this journey to make things sustainable. So when we first started this kind of 2015, 2016, uh, Ryan actually had a full-time job and a work visa in the US. So we're Canadian. So you need a work visa to work in the United States. I did not have a work visa, but I went down there with him for the allotted time that I could get a tourist visa. And I was kind of forced into this situation where like, I can't work in an office. So I need to figure out you know, how I can make money. And so I started by taking a current job that I had worked in Canada that I still have actually at a yoga studio and talked to the studio owner about you know, the solutions for making that a remote job. And he was like, okay, we can try it. And that was successful. So I had that. I was making you know, 500 or so dollars a month. So I was like, okay, sweet. We're on our way. And then we had our podcast. So we looked at ways to monetize our podcast through sponsorships and Patreon and all that sort of thing. I'm also a yoga teacher. So I've created online yoga courses, taught yoga online, built another podcast and a business around that. And then kind of filling the gaps in between, I've done all sorts of things from, you know, contract website design to teaching English online and all sorts of good stuff. 
And now I'm really focused between the World Wanders and my other podcast, which is called Mastering the Business of Yoga, where I help yoga teachers build businesses. So those are kind of my two main things that I do now. But it's always nice to know that I've got these skills to be able to teach English and create websites and all that good stuff if I need it. Yeah. And for me, again, definitely long journey. I think for both of us and most people doing stuff in a similar way, it's often like a really windy, weird trail. So I started off with, well, I guess our first thing is our podcast. This is something we've been doing since 2014 and something that we were able to monetize, definitely not like pay off all of our living expenses with that, but we were able to be, you know, making some income from our, our podcast. And then I was doing the podcast audio production for other podcasts. So helping people set up their podcasts and then doing podcast editing. And I was also doing coaching for a, an educational company and helping young people starting their careers as a, a part-time consultant. So those were my like, three initial things. And that was kind of like a freelancing phase when we first started traveling in Asia. And then about a year later, I was actually offered a close to full-time consulting job. So this was something that would take up all of my time. And so I moved everything else off my plate and was doing that for almost two years. So two years of our travel was almost you know, working essentially full-time, but just being able to do it while traveling. And then over the past year, I've actually evolved more into doing again, more freelance projects. So doing podcast editing, focusing more on our personal podcast as that's continued to grow and a couple other podcast projects. And then I also do English teaching, um, Amanda mentioned, but as a way to kind of supplement the income. So a whole bunch of stuff along the way, and it's kind of always evolving and changing. Yeah, it definitely takes a lot of hustle when you're doing this. And it's not boring for sure because you're constantly learning new things and doing so many different things that you weren't doing in your day job. But the one thing that's really interesting to me, that's also a great way for people to kind of take their start for long-term travel is asking your current job now if you can take it remotely just like Amanda did. And that's pretty interesting because most people are always afraid, right? Because it is true as a freelancer, it's not always steady. But if you can take your job and make it remote, it's more, I guess, safer for for a lot of us when we're starting this new journey. Yeah, it's interesting, actually. So the, the job I was doing while traveling was working for an education company where we helped young people start their career. So 19 to 23-year-olds going into jobs, typically at like tech companies, tech startups, things like that. So office jobs. And I think for young people today, traveling is something that's really aspirational and something that a lot of people want to do. And so it's funny talking to a lot of people in that situation who are like, oh, I really want to work something remote. I only want to work a remote job. And I think people get in this like super fixed mindset about work. Like a job isn't like a concrete thing. Like it doesn't exist, right? A job is an agreement between you and another person to do a certain set of things over a certain amount of time. And that can evolve and it can change. And honestly, I think like if you're interested in doing remote work and not really that interested in being an entrepreneur, getting like a job that is not listed as a remote job is one of the best ways to get a remote job because almost any company nowadays, the physical connection to working in an office is dropping. Like if you walk in the door of almost any company, 
that does like office type work, they probably have employees who aren't in the office. Maybe it's the tech team, maybe it's writers, maybe it's marketing. Somebody's not actually working from the office. And if you just show up, do a good job over the course of six months, nine months, a year, build up trust with whoever you're working with. In most cases, they're not going to say no if you're like, hey, I want to go do this remotely. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything now is computerized. We do everything online. So why not? Right. And I think it's just taking the courage to actually approach your bosses to see that. And also if they can't, if you really can't do that remotely, finding jobs that will allow you to do that. And I think the the main thing is just taking that step to apply for that job, to ask to make it remote, whatever it is that you need to do. If you really want it, you have to take that first step. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that can be a really scary conversation because you sort of feel like, oh, what if they say no? And it's sort of like, I mean, what if they say no? Like, is this worth so much to you that you are going to fight for that? Or is it like being able to be remote is more important and you'll find another opportunity? So I think that if people kind of want that or it's something that's really like calling to you is the transition you want to make, I mean, have that conversation. Like, it's either going to be a yes or a no, or a we'll consider it. And at the end of the day, you've got to do what's like going to be best for you. Yeah. And I think that uh, a lot of people are kind of waiting around for the things they want in life to be given to them, whether that's like getting a high paying job, whether that's getting a remote job, whether that's building a business, whatever it is. Like, no one's going to give you permission to do the things you want in life. No one's going to say like, hey, it's your time to build a successful podcast business or hey, this is your time to do remote work and here's your accommodation and here's your job. At some level, you know, when the things that are most important to you, you're going to have to jump out into uncertainty to do. So whether it's just saying like, hey, I'm quitting my job, I'm going traveling, I'm preventing myself from having in-person jobs. The only way I'm going to make money is by finding it online. Sometimes you just need to make the jump and commit to something, even if you don't know what the next step is. I think it's that fear, right? Of not being able to get it right away or being rejected or getting that no. I think if you hear it enough, it won't be as scary anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I know one of the other thing that you guys do is you choose a specific place to move to to really make this more sustainable. Can you tell us about how you choose a more digital nomad friendly location so that you can stay in a longer period of time? Yeah. So I guess a cu- couple of like really quick things there. I think that's something that some people maybe don't think about when they're imagining like what they want to do. Like they think, oh, I want to travel a ton. And it's a common story you hear when you hear people talk about starting to become nomads. It's like, oh, I started and I was traveling every two weeks from one place to the next. And So we found kind of on two levels. One, just like psychologically, setting yourself up in a base for a while is so nice to be able to create some structure and routine. And it also allows you to travel a lot longer if you can get your costs down. So if you can find an apartment in a certain city and stay there for three months or six months, often you're going to be spending like half as much money if you are changing locations every couple of weeks. So that was a really big part of it for us was saying like, hey, we're going to be able to save money. We're going to be able to kind of extend our savings. And it also just makes it more enjoyable because one of the challenges that comes from trying to balance work and travel, uh, and this is something that 
I think everyone imagines, oh, it's going to be the best of both worlds. I'm going to work and I'm going to travel. It's going to be amazing. But you find that it's something completely new and something completely distinct. And if you don't have the skills and the structure to balance out those two priorities in life, it can kind of ruin both of them. You can find like maybe you're stressed about your job or you're stressed about your work and you're not appreciating your travels. And when you're going out and enjoying your travels, you're thinking about work. So being in kind of one more steady, specific place and then using that as a launching pad to travel allows you to do your work and do your work well and also to travel and enjoy your travel experiences because you trust yourself to go back and do the work. So Amanda, do you want to kind of share a few of the places that we've decided and why we've decided on those places? Yeah, for sure. So we have like a pretty big network of travel friends now. So a lot of the information that we kind of get is usually like firsthand information from other people who are kind of doing similar things. If you're not in, like if you don't have a lot of friends who travel though, I would turn to Facebook, join some like digital nomad Facebook groups or remote work Facebook groups and start picking people's brains about places that they liked and didn't like and why they liked and didn't like them. So for us, when we first started this adventure, we were down in the US and that was obviously super expensive. We Ryan had some work commitments though, so we didn't have like a ton of choice with that. So after that, we were like, okay, where do we want to go? And we found a conference that we wanted to go to in Asia. It was a travel bloggers conference. We're like, perfect. That's a great way to like meet some other travelers who are in Asia, find out like kind of their tips for like being nomads over here. Obviously, we'd like heard about Chiang Mai. And I say obviously because Chiang Mai has been like the top digital nomad spot since like digital nomad was like a coined a term type thing. And so we're like, okay, obviously we have to go there. We knew Bali was a really awesome spot. So we're like, we'll try that. And basically, we just like started trying things. We tried like, what's it like to be in a place for a week? Okay, that stresses us out. Let's try a month. Okay, what types of places do we like to spend you know, um, a month in, how do we find, you know, places to stay there? It was normally Airbnbs. And then from there, we looked at like, okay, our work priorities are kind of ramping up. Maybe this would be a little bit easier if we were on North American time zone. So we started looking at like, where could we go in North American time zone? We had friends who spoke very highly of Mexico City. I was a complete skeptic of living in Mexico City. Like, I grew up in a town that I remember when we hit 10,000 people. I was like, this city is like 20 million people. Like it's a good chunk of Canada's population. Like that's insane. But we went to Mexico City, spent a couple of weeks in Airbnb, both totally fell in love with it, ended up staying for seven and a half months. And it's still like our favorite city. We go back a couple of times a year because we really love it a lot. And from there, we just started, you know, traveling Mexico, discovering other places, doing more of Central America. So I feel like that's not a super concrete answer. So I guess my tips would be, if you know people, start talking to them. If you don't, find some Facebook groups where you can start meeting some people and picking their brains. I think looking at like what your budget is, what you like about certain regions, what you don't like about certain regions, what kind of food you like, and then what type of work you do. Because for us, we were ramping up a lot of calls and they had to be at certain times. And so when you're in Asia, you're really, if you're from North America, you're restricted to like early morning and evenings for like face-to-face conversations. So looking at like what type of work you do and what you sort of need is going to be really important with that too. And then from there, you can start diving into like what country you want to go to, what city kind of appeals to you, 
book somewhere to stay there, go check it out. If you don't like it, have some backup cities. Like for us with Mexico City, we were like, okay, if we don't like Mexico City, we'll try San Miguel and maybe Oaxaca. Those were other ones where we knew of travelers who'd based themselves there. So yeah, that, that's kind of how we do that. I feel like that was really long-winded. <laughs> <laughs> but I've actually also heard a lot of really good things about Mexico City. I have a few friends that are living there right now and they really, really love it. So that's definitely one of the go-to places that are closer to the United States for sure. So those are really great tips, guys. Well, thank you so much for giving us all of these amazing information. I really appreciate you both for being here. If our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? Yeah. Thank you for having us. It's been fun. Uh, I think the best place to go would be theworldwanders.com. If this is something you're interested in. We've got a couple hundred episodes with about all sorts of different travel stuff and a lot of them about traveling and doing nomadic things. So heading over to theworldwanders.com or searching for The World Wanders on whatever your favorite podcast app is and checking out an episode would be a great place to start. And then if you want to connect with us, you can find us on social media at The World Wanders. At The World Wanders Podcast. And yeah, that's a great place. Perfect. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Debbie. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this extended interview with Amanda and Ryan. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the full interview where they share how they're able to encourage others to see the world as travel podcasters. Thanks for joining me on this extended interview. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We can also chat some more on Facebook at The OB Live. I'll talk to you soon.